You are listening to the podcast of Frontline Ministries International. We pray you will be empowered as you listen to this week's message. All of our focus, we say you are our God and we love you. This is all for you.
thank you for that peace, that joy, that satisfaction that's down inside our souls. Only you can do that. Only you can do that in this crazy world. You're the only one that can bring that peace. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you, Jesus. Your blood speaks a better word. Your love speaks a better word. Your blood speaks a better word. Your love speaks a better word.
silencing my every fear silencing my every fear the one oh the one who made the blind to see is moving here in front of me moving here in front of me the one who made the deaf to hear is silencing my every fear silencing my
Jesus Christ 
As I was preparing for the uh, Children's Greenlight Mission lesson today, I got to hear testimonies of people being raised from the dead and the miraculous happening and uh, people who, who chose to believe God for that. So as we were singing about, uh, we believe in miracles, we believe in a God who raises the dead. We're giving thanks uh, to him, the one who makes us strong when we're weak, all of these things. I just feel that he wants um, to encourage us again, uh, just to believe in him. So if you've seen him, uh, perform some kind of miracle in your life, in the life of somebody else, raise your hand. It's awesome. Yes, Lord. Amen. If you want to see him do more, raise your other hand. <laughs> Father, we're just crying out to you today, God. Father, you are the God of miracles, Lord. You are the one we are giving thanks to, Father, because you are the one who brings life, Lord. You are the one who moves, Lord, where nothing else can can make a difference, Lord. You can make a difference. So, Father, we're crying out today, Lord God. Increase our faith. Father, increase our uh, connection with you, Lord God, in the miraculous, Father, in the supernatural, Lord. Father, we love you this morning, and we're saying thank you, Lord. Thank you for what we've seen, Father. Thank you for what we've seen, Lord God. And increase us, Father. Increase us, Lord. Father, those situations that we're crying out for, Lord, that needs a miraculous touch, Father, we just release your power right now into those things, Father. Lord, into those people, Father, into ourselves, Lord God, into those situations, Father. We release you to be who you are, a miracle-working God. Father, we love you, Lord, and we just, um, we receive, Father. We receive that faith, Lord God, and we step out into it today. Thank you, Lord. Just before uh, Mike comes up for, hold on, worship team. <laughs> Just before Mike comes up for communion, we can sing out. It doesn't even have to be with instruments. Let's just sing out again the chorus there of the give thanks with a grateful heart. I just have a sense that that's what the Lord's highlighting and moving on in our hearts today. So I encourage you guys, just keep receiving as we sing this out. And then as Mike leads us in communion. Yes,
Awesome morning. Mike's going to come and uh, lead us in communion, and we're going to have some Brazil updates and prayer for the team there. In Jesus' name. to me in this season about a lot of different things. Um, so it's, I could easily pinpoint the different things he's been speaking and churning in my heart lately, but one of the things that's been coming up, I'd say just recently, is um, just thinking about the, the beloved disciple John, John the Beloved, just how he had such a recognition of who Jesus was and is, and just that he, he yearned, he longed for that closeness with the Son of God on the earth. That he obviously walked with Jesus. He got to see many miracles. He got to be a part of the amazing ministry that Jesus did on the earth. But there was something more that John wanted to tap into, which was the heart of God. And you see that throughout Scripture. I've also been thinking about Moses as well. And just, you know, Moses went right into the presence of God on the mountain. Well, we, we see some of that parallel with John, the beloved. And I just want to read in John 13 first here in uh, verse 21. It says, when Jesus had said this, he became troubled in spirit. So this is at the Last Supper. And testified and said, truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. The disciples began looking at one another at a loss to know of which one he was speaking. There was reclining on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. So Simon Peter gestured to him and said to him, Tell us who it is of whom he is speaking. He, le he leaning back thus on Jesus' bosom, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus then answered, That is the one for whom I shall dip the morsel and give it to him. 
So when he had dipped the morsel, he took and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. <clears throat> After the morsel, Satan then entered him, and therefore Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. So um, then it says, now no one of those reclining at the table knew for what purpose he had said this to him. For some were supposing, because Judas had the money box, that Jesus was saying to him, buy the things that we have need of for the feast, or else that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel, he went out immediately, and it was night. And then Jesus goes on to talk about how the Son of Man must be glorified. And um, So this is, this is a, right before Jesus is going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, right before going to the cross and enduring all that he was going to suffer. But he wanted this intimate time with his closest friends, his disciples. And even in the midst of that, he had to, he had to endure that betrayal by Judas. He knew that was going to happen. It was, it was already known. But just Jesus starting to feel it and see what, what's, what's playing out in real time, it's like, oh, man. At the, at the closest hour, at the closest time with my disciples before he's going to suffer, um, he has to endure this betrayal. But what I find so interesting is that even in the midst of that, John laid his head on Jesus' bosom. That, you know, P Peter said, you know, hey, just ask him, what's he talking about? Who's he talking about? You know, John could have taken a different position. He could have been like, who are you talking about, Jesus? Like, you know, he could have had a different, you know, tone. He could have just, but instead he leaned on his, his bosom and he wanted to be close even in the midst of, of what was going on, that um, John saw past all of that, and he, he wanted to tap into Jesus' heart. Um, at one of Jesus' greatest trials, I mean, if anyone's ever gone through betrayal, it's painful. Um, <clears throat> and here he's starting to endure that. And just I, I just love the fact that, you know, that John wanted to be so close. And Jesus didn't push him away like, come on, man, I'm having a hard time right now. I don't, you know, why don't you keep your distance? We need to keep our distance right now. And no, he's, he's inviting us to be close. That's, that's why we take communion. It's to remember his body, his blood, what he did. It's so that we can be invited into that closeness. Um, same with Moses, you know, he, he went to the closest place with the Lord. And that was even in the Old Testament. Um, so I want to read in John chapter 19 now. So if you have your Bibles, let's flip over to 19, because you'll see the progression here. Um, I just thought it was really interesting with John. Okay. 23. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his outer garments and made four parts, a part to every soldier and also, uh, sorry, and made four parts, a part to every soldier and also the tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to decide whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture. They divided my outer garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. After, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things 
had already been accomplished. To fulfill the scripture said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And just again, at the most crucial hour, at, at the very point of death, you know, that intimacy was still being released. He was, the, the intimacy that flowed from his heart to the soldiers, to the people that were crucifying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, to Mary, the mother of Jesus, thinking about his mother who raised him, who was with him all the time, even in ministry, who, who recognized that Jesus is God, that he's the son of God, that Jesus was even thinking about his mother in that moment, you know, take care of my mother to John. What a responsibility. And just, <clears throat> I just really believe that there's a, a connection here that the Lord wants to, that life can be a, a bunch of do's and don'ts. It can seem that way at times. It can seem like there's so much going on. It's very overwhelming. And it could just feel like I'm just doing things for God. But when we take a step back and seek the heart of Jesus, we begin to have a new perspective. We begin to, to understand all that, not only who he is, but what he accomplished on the cross. And um, it, it enables us to be strengthened again. So if we need strength, if we need um, refreshing, if we're feeling weary or tired or any of those things, that when we come to the feet of Jesus and we recognize that he is for us, he's for you, he's for me, that nothing can shake that. And it's through his blood and it's through his body that he made that possible. So, Lord, we just thank you so much as we take communion this morning. We thank you for that you made this possible, Jesus. That just how John recognized your heart, how he saw the incredible um, wonder that you displayed in your everyday walk in ministry, and even at your darkest point when you were tortured, when you were crucified that nothing could, the, the word says, love is stronger than death. Love is stronger than death. It says that in Song of Solomon, that your love prevailed. So there's a constant demonstration of your love prevailing in you. And we can, we can receive that now in our lives, that your love prevails over any situation that your love brings healing, your love brings transformation. And it's because of what you did, Jesus. It's because of your suffering and what you endured on the cross. And so we just, as we take communion this morning, we're asking, Lord, that you would give us that deeper hunger and that deeper desire to be close to your heart because that's what you desire for us, to be close. You don't want us to be at a distance and say, well, I'm, I'm only going to go so far. I just, I can't get any closer because if I get closer, it's just too much. It's, it's too much. And you're saying, no, I want you close. I want you close so I can embrace you, so I can speak to you, so I can release my heart of, of love to you and mercy. And so 
because you're constantly lavishing that and giving that. You never stop. You never stop giving because that's your nature. That's who you are. So we, uh, we thank you for your body. We thank you for your blood, Jesus, that you poured out for us that was spilled. When the soldier took the spear into your side and blood and water came out, it was, it represented so much. It represented the blood of Christ that would one day cleanse all of us and set us free from our sin. That we would be baptized into this new life in you. So we thank you, Jesus, that you are Christ in us, the hope of glory. So I thank you, Lord, that as we take communion, that you're also releasing hope this morning, where we felt hopeless at times, where we felt discouraged at times, that that hope is overriding and pushing out all um, <clears throat> hopelessness and discouragement and anything else that would keep us from closeness with you. So we step in today. I step in today and I say, Lord, I want more of you. I want to put my head on your breast. I want to be on the top of the mountain, beholding you face to face without a veil because the veil's been torn forever. If the veil's been torn forever, we don't need to put a veil on anymore because it's, been, it's gone. It's been taken away in Christ. So we celebrate this new life this morning and uh, we bless each person here online, overseas, in Jesus' name, amen. Feel free to take the elements now. fun? You guys, anybody else wonder what it would be like to live in the McCray house? Said Jamie in the background, Mike preaching, I'm picturing Gabe and Faith just sitting on the couch, just taking it in. Got, got, got that whole like Rivera type anointing, just, all right, mom and dad are going to do it again. Here we go. I loved it. That's so cool. <clears throat> all right. Uh, we have a team in Brazil and I am happy to report that they are 100% there. And what I mean by 100% there, as far as I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's people and bags, right? Like somebody raise your hand if I'm wrong. But last I heard, we have all of the people and all of the bags now, which was not the case <laughs> originally. So uh, praise the Lord. They have everything. They were living like, you know, stereotypical missionaries for a day or two there, from what I understand. But they, the whole team's there. Um, they're continuing to do all kinds of outreaches and stuff. We're not going to give extended updates uh, here, but I encourage you guys to go check out social media. They're posting things on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, we also have a regular prayer video that's going out every day of somebody uh, continuing to pray for the team. If you're not a part of that list, please see somebody. Cynthia. We always just say Cynthia. I can't, I'm going to get me in trouble. See somebody. Um, you, can see, you can see Cynthia. Sorry, babe. 
But uh, we want to just continue to be lifting up them up while while they're overseas and uh, contending for more so that when they come back that they have even greater reports and greater testimonies. And so, Father, we're just going to extend. Let's just, we're gonna, as a prophetic act, we're extending our hands. You can extend your hands towards the picture. I think that's actually generally the direction of Brazil as well. And so, Father, we just thank you for the Brazil team. We thank you, Father, for their hearts of fire right now that are being released into the nation. Father, that we've heard prophetic words and, and words of uh, destiny and promises of the things that they are going to carry into the nations and specifically into Brazil. And so, Father, right now we just pray in Jesus' name for the anointing of heaven to fall on each and every one of them, Lord, that they would have the type of encounter, Lord, that sets their heart on fire and they're going to go into the streets, they're going to go into the favela, they're going to go in front of people and they're going to be able to declare the truth of who you are and they're going to see signs wonders and miracles released father god everywhere they go lord that that type of anointing and that authority that wherever the soles of their feet tread you're giving them that territory so the place where they're standing and the people that they're standing in front of they have authority to be able to release the king of glory into that place and so father we bless them lord we bless them with dreams and visions we bless them with signs and wonders and miracles father god not so that we have stories to tell, but that lives and destinies are changed and brought into the kingdom. Father, it's not about anything here, but it's about the people that they're standing in front of. And so, Lord, we bless them over the next couple of weeks, Father God, that you would keep them safe and that they would come back just filled with the fire and the glory of your presence in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. We have a few other announcements. And yes, you can see me if you are not receiving the prayer videos. Um, just want to highlight some different things happening. Uh, this week, there is a lighthouse on Friday from 9 o'clock to 11 here for prayer this Friday. So come join um, the prayer lighthouse team here where we can uh, intercede for Brazil and anything else the Lord puts on their heart. And then obviously December is a big month. There's lots happening. Uh, December 4th, <laughs> um, starting December, uh, actually the second, uh, it's first Friday of December, but there will be a Daniel class here for those of you who are part of that. Um, and then after Daniel class, you'll be hitting the streets for first Friday. And then on Sunday the 4th is our, uh, I don't remember how many years we've been doing it, but our community Christmas outreach, AKA Christmas cookies and caroling down at Skyline Terrace. So after church, we'll have lunch here and then we'll head out um, to bring joy and hope uh, to Skyline Terrace. And then after that at six o'clock, right across the street, Pastor Jose is gonna be there um, for a service type situation where we're inviting uh, local pastors and leaders uh, to come and meet Pastor Jose, hear his heart, hear who he is. And so that'll be at six o'clock um, down at the drop-in center. And then after that, we have Gift of Christmas uh, coming up December 10th. We haven't said too much about it, <laughs> but it is happening. So we, we're working with the five uh, places that we did last year. Um, the shelters in the area, 
there are um, donation letters printed out out here in the foyer. If there's a place, boss, friend, neighbor, whoever you think would be interested in donating, you can take a letter today, two or three, hand those out, because obviously we need uh, financial support for that, and there's other things that we can give. If you have clothes, please start bringing that in for the donation room. If you have um, time to donate, we love time, and so uh, there's things that we need to start preparing for. So out here in the foyer, there is a table with lots of sign-up sheets, but that's for the cookie outreach, that's for who can help gift a Christmas. Um, you can RSVP for the Christmas party this year that's going to be at Ray, Troy and Rachel's house. And then the New Year's Eve uh, celebration will be at our home. So the, all those things are out there that you're welcome to sign up to and commit to. If you aren't going to remember anything that I am saying, it's in writing. A beautiful bulletin. It's on our website. There'll be text. There'll be videos. There'll be all kinds of things. So hopefully uh, you're able to save dates and jump in uh, to what the Lord is doing. Amen? All right. So enough talking about stuff. And now we are going to uh, release the children. And we're going to welcome Mr. Andy Summers to bless us this morning with the word of the Lord. Be prepared. It's going to be so good that all the kids are fleeing for the exits. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes, Lord. <laughs> How are we all doing today? Doing well. That's a good thing. Come on now. Technology, can't live with it, can't live without it. There we go. Hmm. So Lord, we're thankful today. <laughs> Lord, for you, Lord, we're thankful Lord, for life, Lord, we're thankful for your presence. We're thankful that we could gather here in your name. And Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name that today you would awaken things in our hearts that have been lying dormant. Father, for, for years, Lord, you would awaken new things. Lord, you'd, if there's some revelation in there, Lord, that just kind of needs taken off the shelf and dusted off and reinvigorated, on the inside of us, Lord, we pray, Father, for that today. Lord, we pray for fresh manna. Lord, fresh revelation, fresh understanding from you. Lord, we admit <laughs> that apart from you, we know nothing. Lord, that apart from you, we can do nothing. Lord, we declare our dependence upon you this morning in Jesus' name. And Lord, we're asking that you would come in and breathe into us fresh and new in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. That's right. So one of the things, I don't know about you guys, but one of the things that the Lord does to encourage me 
at times when I kind of am asking him for direction, like, Lord, I believe that I'm hearing from you. I'm thinking that this is something that you want me to do. This is a direction that you want me to go in. So at times he comes along and brings just like a gentle nudge and confirmation of like, hey, you're going in the right direction. How many of you guys have ever experienced that? If you have not, how many would you like to experience that? Because he can do it. So one of those things was, as in, in preparing for today and asking the Lord, like, what's on your heart? Several things, you know, came to mind. And at times, it's, it's interesting, as the Lord, you know, Pastor Bill's been sharing about milk versus maturity and growing in the things of the Lord. And at times in my preparation before the Lord, I would just ask him, like, Lord, what's on your heart? And then just wait there for, like, the whisper of heaven, which is, I'm not mocking, like, it's true, it happens. Like the whisper of heaven comes and like go this direction or it's this here. And then there's sometimes where he's just like, why don't you just open my word and seek something out? Like, well, that's, that's right, Lord. <laughs> he's like, I'm not just here to dump revelation upon you, but I can if you position your heart to seek me. So as I was seeking him, one of the things that he put in my heart was, different aspects and avenues of thanksgiving and giving thanks and the role that gratitude has in our lives. And so I'm carrying that, I'm kind of like mauling through that, and then we come in today and we're worshiping, and the last song that Susie starts singing, give thanks with a gr I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> See, I need those little like, the Lord's like, yeah, you got it, that's it. You know, you, you, I'm, I'm grateful for those because at times it's something else when we like launch out into something that the Lord's kind of like, maybe I see your exuberance and your zeal, but that's maybe not the direction that I, that I have for you. So then he kind of like corrals us back. And so, so this when I heard that this morning, I'm like, yes, it's just that little extra sweet. The Lord's like, this is the direction that I want you to go in. And I'm like, thank you. I need that. So I'm, I'm encouraged that way because I believe that there's something that the Lord wants to release to us in the place of gratitude that helps us view our lives positively from his perspective as we're going through things. And so one example that I can, and, and I'm always at times like there's, and Nikki and I were talking a little bit about this morning when I was running the message you know, parts of the, the message that the Lord's put in my heart, pastor, you know, and just an innocuous statement of like, I've given my life to Jesus. Okay. Many people have prayed to give their lives to Jesus. I'm pretty sure if you would pull a fair number of people in the United States of America, they would say, oh, yes, I believe in Jesus. I've given my life to Jesus. But what does that look like practically? <laughs> you know, there's fruit of saying that we've given our lives to Jesus. Like, is he Lord of everything? Is he Lord of my schedule? Is he Lord of my emotions? Is, he, is my life fully surrendered to him? Or is it a philosophical concept that I say my life is surrendered to Jesus, but in the actual practical walking out of every single day of my life, is my life surrendered to Jesus? Like, out of the 24 hours that I've been given each day, 
Does he have 20 minutes of it? Does he have a half hour of it? Does he have two hours of it? Does he have the full 24? What does that look like? Because there's practical expressions to show that a life is surrendered to Jesus. There's evidence that is shown there's a difference there between this person who says they believe in Jesus and then this person over here who says they believe in Jesus, but then there's actions that back that up. You guys tracking with me in that whole world. So it makes a difference. And so as I was praying into things and, and the, the aspect of the Lord releasing his perspective through gratitude, thanksgiving, and what that looks like practically in our lives, I looked at Something that, that took place this week in our nation, which could produce on the inside of people levels of frustration, anger, sometimes rage, sometimes divisiveness, sometimes a, a feeling of insecurity, and that would be anything surrounding our beloved election process. So am I going to step out into something political here? Yes. I don't, I, I'm allowed to do that. I don't have to shy away from that. But the biggest thing that I want to express to you all is that the Lord Jesus is on the throne. And our lives are surrendered to him completely. So I'm not saying anything I'm about to say from this point onward does not negate us standing and interceding in a place to see a shift and a transform in our nation Praying and leaning on and believing for godly values and those to be exalted and for leaders that represent the heart of the Lord and govern from that perspective, 100% yes. But I can't crawl into a fear ball because something didn't go the way that I wanted it to go. Because my faith and my trust is in Jesus. <laughs> the gas prices don't rule whether I have peace in my heart or not. That's not to make light of gas prices, but if the Lord's asking me to trust him and give my life in full surrender to him, then I'm going to see large gas prices and then trust him that he's going to provide for me because either he's the provider or he's not. And he's going to enable me to live the life that he's called me to be in the nation that he's called me to be in where the external situations and circumstances around me don't frustrate me from accomplishing the purpose that God has for me in my life. Because if that was the case, then believers in China and Iran could just be like, well, our government really hates us. We should just stop this whole Christian life thing. <laughs> but God's not calling them to that. And that's not to say that there shouldn't be change and transformation coming in those nations so that righteousness could be exalted and so that there could be freedom. So there's definitely things that the Lord's blessed us with in this nation that we don't want to lose sight of and that we shouldn't back down from defending and voting for. But at the same time, I can't let myself get into the place of being frustrated and angry at the situation I find myself in because it's not going to produce anything except for complaining. But let me channel that in a positive way and take me into the place of intercession to see things transform. We experienced a major victory in this nation that sometimes it just kind of gets glossed over. I don't know, 50 years of people praying for the overturning of Roe versus Wade. That took place. You, we didn't think that there was going to be some kind of backlash to that. 
You don't think that it was just like, oh yeah, that's great, that's fine. We'll let that go. No, it, 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 states voted in some wicked legislation just on Tuesday about abortion. That's not the heart of the Lord. And I was asking the Lord about that, and it's like, oh Lord, not only have mercy on our nation, have mercy on our states, because what are they opening the doors to when you legislate that kind of stuff, you vote that kind of stuff in? All of that is to say that the Lord was freshly challenging me. He's saying, Andy, any of that emotional tendency and frustration, I mean, I'm like, how can you guys not count votes? I mean, or like, why is it good over here and not here? And then I could spin my wheels for 45 minutes coming up with all the, and everything else, and the Lord's saying, are you at peace right now, or are you frustrated? And he's like, he's like, and he's not mad at me for being frustrated. He's just like, why don't you take that frustration and release it to me? Give it to me. Resurrender your heart into lordship and trust in me that I'm going to guide you through this whole avenue where you don't have to be frustrated and angry, but you can rise up in a different spirit and pray and intercede for a shift and a change and not demonize people because people are just, they're deceived. They don't know any better. That's not an excuse for them, but they don't know. <laughs> they're the Lord. We're sheep. We're dumb. <laughs> Apart from the Lord, we're dumb. <laughs> we, we're... There's times where I think that the enemy and the world has tried to convince us that we're a little bit further along than we are. Like, look at those people back then. I mean, they were so backwoods and they didn't have intelligence and everything else. We've come so much further. No, we haven't. <laughs> Apart from Jesus, we have not. <laughs> it has not taken place. But... And it just it, I was I was thinking about this and just did you know that and I know and, and it's kind of like sometimes the Lord has to remind me of these things because so we can take things for granted so that's part of the avenue of like gratitude is that we don't take things for granted because there's so much coming across our path that robs from us the ability to stop think contemplate and take stock of what we are grateful and thankful for because as we're going to get here in a little bit, it's going to create an atmosphere for something. <laughs> in the Dark Ages, in the Middle Ages, there really weren't Bibles. <laughs> so the church would gather, and the guy at the front had the Bible, and he would read it, but most of the people were illiterate. They couldn't even read. And then transformation happened, the reformation happened, the printing press happened, and all of a sudden, an explosion of people now have the written word of God in their houses. And they learned and could be able to read, and, the, and educational things happened where it spread into the lives of individual people. But somehow, the Lord kept his church going when there wasn't widespread publication of the Bible. He, he, he kept it going. There was a remnant there. He was watching over and faithfully protecting people. And then there was the Reformation. And then all kinds of things happened. And the word of God spread. And 
there were all kinds of things historically that took place where the Lord's like guiding and leading. That wasn't too long ago. <laughs> I mean, it was, but it wasn't. I mean, sometimes in our culture now, I mean, if something takes three minutes, we're like, oh my goodness. If an app doesn't load on my phone in three seconds, I'm frustrated. Like, why is this not, you know, you're tapping the screen, which does nothing. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, come on, speed up. You know, like, we, we, we're, we're in the place of, like, such acceleration that, like, things that take moments or minutes, you know, begin to get frustrated over, and it's like, <laughs> that's, that's crazy from what, you know, we've been blessed with technology-wise and everything else. And what if those things were taken away? Like, what, what if they were taken away? <laughs> Just as an aside, you don't think, like, in our society, that, like, if, like, the electricity was switched off, that people wouldn't be going nuts, like, two days into it? <laughs> and some people would be fine, like the Amish in that dynamic, because, you know, they don't really deal with that. But it, there would be, like, people would be dependent upon things, or, like, what about this? What, I mean... I mean, how many of you guys have ever been at, like, a gas station or a grocery store or something when they're like, our computers are down and they're not taking, like, credit cards? I mean, it's like, for some people, it's like the end of the world. Like, what, what do we do now? Like, cash? Or, like, what? You know, and even, even the people that are there to, like, check you out, they don't even know what to do. Like, what, what's going on? What, what should we do? You know, but then it's kind of like, what, what are we, what are we Dependent upon who are we trusting in and, and what perspective does he want to give us to enable us not only to, to walk in our lives and our walk of faith with him, trusting in him, but to draw other people into it. Because there's an authenticity of faith that we're expressing and belief and trust in Jesus that isn't based on and trusting in the situations and circumstances we find ourselves in because at any moment, any of these things could be taken away. And so that, and that, and then, then in that place, it's like, Lord, how do I guard my heart that I'm fully trusting in you with everything, my entire life? And what does that look like? And so... One of the things the Lord showed me was obviously the children of Israel. and I mean, obviously, sometimes when we hear about the children of Israel, we're like, those dumb children of Israel. I mean, come on. I mean, God was literally with them, like in physical manifest form. Like there was a cloud that went with them during the day to provide shade for them and protect them. There was a literal fire at night to keep them warm. And you know what's crazy is that some people, and I was reading the account of the children of Israel and how they fled Egypt and how the Red Sea opened up and parted. And I was sitting there thinking, and I'm, I'm completely 100%, like I'm believing, that I'm reading the word of God and I'm like, that is true. And I thought to myself, there are people that think that I'm absolutely crazy if I believe that. Think about that. There's people that you would express to them that I believe the Bible is the true word of God, and they're like, you're insane. You believe that story? Yes, I believe 
that the literal presence of God led the children of Israel out of Egypt, that the parting of the Red Sea isn't just a story, it's an actual physical account that happened, where the Lord was showing and demonstrating to all the earth, I love and I'm walking with these people. So you, like, you believe that? Yes, and it was just crazy because it's like, what kind of grace is upon me that the word of God can be in front of me? And then I'm like, I believe that's true. And, and some people would think, apart from me, like, you're believing in fairy tales. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm believing in the one who gave his life for me that I had an experience and encounter with and drew me into the place of believing and trusting in him, for which I'm incredibly thankful for. Because I don't know about you guys, but the Lord pulled me out of a pit <laughs> of despair and death and drugs and confusion and horrificness and all of those things, yes, but what he even pulled me out of more is he pulled me out of a life that was left to my own devices in just pursuing something that really wasn't true. He rescued me from a pointless life. He rescued me from a life that would have no value, that would have no meaning. And it's like, whoa, that's sobering. Like, because the Lord specifically created each one of you uniquely to experience life with him. So that when you go, and some of you guys have heard this before, but when you go from this life to the next, you carry with him everything that he has done. You carry with, him, you, carry with you the testimony that he worked in your life when you go from this life to the next. That's what's, that's what's value. That's what's true. That's what remains. That's, the scripture says, the only thing that will remain is the word of God. Well, the word of God is on the inside of each one of you, and as you believed in him, he's come alive on the inside of you, and then he begins to write the story of who he is with your life, showing other people what's possible. That's crazy. So Jesus said when he was here on the earth, and this is one of the verses that we love sharing to Muslims and other people of various religious faiths, like always lead to God. No, they don't. <laughs> That's not true. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So we... He's, he's the way. He's the path. He's the direction. And not only is you know, he's the way, the path, and the direction, he's the truth. He's the life. He's, he's the way laid out for us. He's our example. He's the one that died for us. He's the one that healed us. He's the one that forgave us. He's the one that rescued us. He's the one that restored us. He's the one that is protecting us, watching over us, giving us everything that we need. He's sustaining us. He's filling us. He knows what you need, and so he, his desire is to pour that out upon you. But one of the things that the enemy wants to do is to rob us from the perspective that the Lord wants to give us about how he sees us. So one of the ways that we can position ourselves to see ourselves the way that God sees us is through thankfulness, is through thanksgiving. It's taking stock of my entire life that I've surrendered to Jesus, whether I've been walking with him for 10 minutes or 20 years, and say, 
Lord, I thank you that I am where I am today. Some things are even like basic. Like there was one time and they mentioned, you know, we have a lighthouse prayer on Friday nights, you know, like twice a month. And there was one Friday, this was years ago, and we were having an, uh, I don't know if it was all night prayer, or one of the 24-7 worship nights we're going through. And I was right over here on the floor and I was praying and interceding and I was on the, I was on the floor, bleh, I was on the floor and I was praying and I was kind of like on my knees and it, it like started hurting. Like my knees started hurting because I'm on a concrete floor and I'm like leaning. I'm like, man, this, this like hurts. This is, this is really hard. I mean, I don't got carpet, you know, and this is a little hard, you know, this ground here. And I just started like complaining a little bit on the inside of like, man, I could maybe shift positions or like whatever. And this is hard. And, and the Holy Spirit just so clearly spoke to me. And he's like, Andy, do you know that half the world is sleeping on hard ground? <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, you're inconvenienced by like 15 minutes on your knees. And there's people that literally sleep on that. And they've gotten used to it in their whole lives. So it changed my perspective when I got in my bed. It was like, this is a blessing to be in this bed right now. It's, this is nice. Then, I mean, it, there's so many basic things. Like, we experience it sometimes when we go overseas on a mission trip where we don't have a consistent shower. <laughs> Just bathing. I mean, some of the places we go, the women have to go to the pump and they fill up what would be the equivalent of like a 40-gallon, not a 55-gallon drum, but it's like a 30-gallon thing. They're filling that whole thing with water, putting it in a wheelbarrow, and pushing it back to their house so they can have water to feed their kids, to bathe them, to have water in the house because there's not plumbing. I see that, and I'm like, whoo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Like, I could go into my kitchen and just go, there's water. You know, like, like What? There's hot water. There's plenty of water. There's, it, it's crazy. Like, we drove here today. <laughs> like, there, if, we, if we stop and, like, think, there are so many things, and that's just on a practical level that we can be thankful for as far as, like, food, shelter, comfort, electricity. Like, what? <laughs> These things are crazy. But uh, I've heard different, you know, Comedians talk about it, but they're like, you shouldn't be able to complain when you're in an airplane. <laughs> Just all complaining should stop because you're literally in a flying tube 20,000 feet in the air going 600 miles an hour and, and going from one crazy location on the side of the world to another in an incredibly fast amount of time. Like any complaints at that moment should just be... <laughs> I mean, it used to be like people used to, to travel across this country in a covered wagon pulled by oxen and just praying that they would live Oregon Trail when they got over there because of either dysentery or, you know, I only know that because of Oregon Trail, but like those, there, there were diseases, there were different things. And, and <laughs> sometimes we think it hard, we think we have it hard. And, I'm not, and this is in no way to minimize like pain and emotional distress because all those things happen. But sometimes it's helpful to put these things in perspective in what we're going through 
because it's helpful for us to see the bigger picture of what the Lord's really doing so we don't get like weighed down on things. Now, I, for me, I grew up, when I grew up, I loved reading the, uh, the Little House on the Prairie books, like all of them. How many of you guys read those? How many of you guys have not? If you've not, oh my goodness. Just a quick aside, they're very simple. If you have children, you can read them to your children. It's just basically this lady describing frontier life in like the mid-1800s from being like six until she got married. Just fantastic Fantastic snapshots of what life was like then. There were times where people were farmers out trying to settle the West, and they would, think about this, they would spend, they wouldn't have a lot of money, so they would get a loan from the bank, so they could, they get a loan so they can buy seed, so they can plant it in a field, so that they could harvest wheat, and then they, they were trusting that their wheat harvest would bring in enough money when they would sell it that it would cover the money that they borrowed but then it would provide them everything they needed for the next season and so they would farm and they would plant this seed and they would get it out there can you and like you're you're breaking the ground you barely have a horse you barely have a plow you have a plot you get all this stuff settled you get it all taken care of you spend all this time planting protecting and then a thunderstorm comes hail comes and completely wipes it out in one day. Like, can you imagine all of your efforts, everything that you put into it, just gone? Like, you talk about, like, losing hope and being like, what's going on? Like, what? But things outside of their control, and then they would just move on to something else. That's why if you look at some of their lives, I mean, they had this venture, and then they switched to this venture, and then they switched to this venture, because all these things were happening outside of their control that were crazy difficult. And now, we, we don't have to go through life that way when our hearts are fully surrendered to Jesus. And then he offers to us his perspective on how to navigate the difficulties of life that come our way. And he will enable us to walk victorious in those to the point where there's a degree of comfort and security in our heart not based on our external situations and circumstances around us, but based on the reality of his lordship on the inside. That's why there can be impoverished mamas and papas in small villages in Africa that even though they're living in difficult situations, they have a joy that Holy Spirit has deposited on the inside of them about life. And they will probably never experience some of the levels of blessing that I've experienced in my life, what would be material blessings. But there's a richness that they have in faith and trust in the Lord that when they enter into heaven, he's going to reward their faithfulness for what he entrusted to them, and they'll receive blessing. And it's not dependent upon the material goods and statuses that have been accrued. It's based on their heart of faithfulness and gratitude to the Lord and what he's done in their lives and their hearts. And so for us, that's a little bit harder in this nation because they're the needs immediate. I don't have this. I got to trust the Lord for it. I have trouble figuring out what food I want to eat for dinner because there's so many options. To say that again, I have trouble figuring out what I want to eat for dinner because there's so many options. That's crazy. 
how can I complain? <laughs> there should be no complaints. <laughs> None. I mean, that's right up there with traveling in the airplane. Like, that, that's... What? <laughs> so then, it's, then the question becomes, okay, Lord, you've blessed us from, with all of these things. Now what, what do you want us to do with it? What do you want me to do with my life practically? And so when I began to do some searching of, and, and sometimes it gets a bad rap, or not a bad rap, I just think sometimes it, it clauses over in our mind, when we hear like Thanksgiving, for me, when I hear Thanksgiving, immediately it's like food. <laughs> it's the day of hanging out with the family. It's turkey. It's stuffing. It's the getting together with family. It's, and for me, myself personally, Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays because you don't have necessarily all of the, the gifts and stuff, which is fine for Christmas. I'm not opposed to gifts. But, but then, like, then they just recently, in the last number of years, they just backed up on the end of, like, Thanksgiving, like, Black Friday. Like, why is that even in the mix? Like, can we just push that aside? But I can just push that aside in my thinking. And then when they were even opening then on Thursday, why don't we take this day off that we can spend together with our family and give thanks and then think about shopping, you know, later. So that's just my own little bone to pick with that. But... Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays, but it's an avenue of, as I was searching and thinking, so when I think of Thanksgiving, I think of those things, so the Lord's like, okay, why don't you like reorient how you approach that, how you think about things? And so when I just did a search for like Thanksgiving in the Bible app, it just brings up upon verse, upon verse, upon verse, upon verse, upon verse, upon verse, about Thanksgiving. And here's just a couple samplings of it. We don't have to put it up there, but just, just a couple samplings from doing a search for Thanksgiving. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of Thanksgiving. Colossians 4.2. Let them, Psalms 107.22. Let them also offer sacrifices, sacrifices of Thanksgiving and tell of his wonderful works with joyful singing. Let us come before his presence with Thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. I will praise the name of the Lord God with a song and magnify him with thanksgiving. Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High Lord. I mean, there's just Leviticus 22:29. When you offer a sacrifice, a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord, like add thanksgiving to it. Obviously, everybody knows, enter his courts with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Like there's just verse upon verse upon verse of thanksgiving. One of the easiest ones and if you can put that one up, it's First Thessalonians 5.18. I mean, this is just, it's kind of like, Lord, what's your will? And he's like, I spelled it out in my Bible. You can just read it and then do it. <laughs> like, what is the will of the Lord for me? What do you want me to do? And everything give thanks for this is the will for you. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. <laughs> in everything give thanks for this is God's will. So very simple and practically, like sometimes like, what do I need to do to like do God's will in my life? I'm have trouble figuring it out, finding out. Well, here's one small thing. You can give thanks. So I, I, I think that we can start in some of those practical things of like, what am I thankful for? Like practical in the sense of I'm thankful for a house. 
I'm thankful for a job. I'm thankful for a car to drive. I'm thankful for water. I'm thankful for food to eat. I'm thankful for family. I'm, those are things that are like basic human like necessities that we can 100%, 100% be thankful for. But then I was thinking, about like, why is the Lord saying a sacrifice of thanksgiving? Why is thanksgiving a sacrifice? Why would one of you just, didn't know I was going to put you on the spot, but like randomly shout out, why would you think that Thanksgiving would be a sacrifice? Don't everybody shout out at once. Because it hurts sometimes. When you want to come, yes. When you want to come, <laughs> it's very easy to complain. I mean, the children of Israel did it. We're like, oh, those children of Israel, you know. How many of you at times struggle with complaining? <laughs> Same here. One of the things that I was asking the Lord about in, you know, when I was going through this, about the, uh, you know, the, some of kind of what Pastor Bill's been sharing about, like the milk versus the maturity. And the Lord's like, you know, not in any way disparaging children. Children can complain pretty easily. Can't they? <laughs> Pretty quickly. Like, I don't want this. You know, I don't want this food. I don't want, I mean, you can name it. They, they could, they're probably coming up with things to complain about. Just, but, but it's also, part of it is, they're also discovering new things, you know. So sometimes, I mean, sometimes, some of us, we can complain when we encounter something new. How many people live in there? Like, ah, I don't like this. This is new. I don't like it. So we can very easily lean into complaining, but one of the amazing things is that the Lord has given us the ability through thanksgiving, through giving thanks to him, to be able to reorient how we're looking at our life. Because the enemy wants to come at us and be like, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, you screwed up here, this is a difficulty, this is something that you'll never get over, you'll never get over, you'll never get over, and then it's like, so then that begins to weigh down on us, like, well, this is heavy. This is hard. This stinks. This never works out. This, then we begin all of a sudden just because of like our own human nature, we just step into it's hot. It's cold. It's, I don't know, wet outside. It's, you know, we, we can, I don't like how that person said that. And then there's that, you know, interesting dynamic of like there's sometimes like there's things that we prefer and don't prefer. Like I myself, I hate mushrooms. Like, I can't stand mushrooms. I cannot, I don't like them. I don't like the taste of them, the texture of them, the smell of them. Like, but if somebody gives me pizza, I can be like, ah, mushrooms on there. You know, like, and I'll do it sometimes because I don't, I don't like mushrooms. But that's kind of like a personal preference thing. But, you know, it would be another thing if then I like, somebody put mushrooms on that because they don't like me. You know, that, because complaining, <laughs> you guys know what I'm saying? Like, Complaining, complaining can bear fruit that we don't want it to bear because then it'll start attaching like motivations to things that aren't even there. And we've launched out in our imagination because we're focused on something negative. Then we begin to add extra things to it. You know what I mean? Because sometimes that's how we misread situations. Is that we, you guys tracking with me on that? Like we, we add things onto that that aren't really there. And so then it's like, okay, how can I combat that? You can combat that 
by stepping into the place of receiving the Lord's perspective and saying, I'm thanking you for this opportunity. One practical example of that that took place a long time ago, and I've, I've like learned my lesson from it, and I'm so thankful to the Lord for it. And it took a little bit of working out because, <laughs> because sometimes it's the nature of personalities. Some people, they're external complainers. They're very verbal. They're very upfront. They're extroverts. So if they're complaining, they're doing it out loud to everybody. But introverts can complain as well. They just don't verbalize it. It just stays down on the inside. And then when they're by themselves, they're like, you know, like, or they're by themselves, they're complaining. They are complaining on the inside, but nobody can see it. But then all of a sudden you get to a certain point and it's like they get poked enough. And then this complaint monster comes out and it's like, not only are they complaining about one thing, but there's like 10 things attached to that. And it's like now that the lid's off, everything has been surfacing and things are being connected that should never be connected. How I many you guys have been there? I've been there. So sometimes, sometimes I've been, sometimes I find myself in both camps because I'm like, well, I know the public setting that I'm in, I really can't complain about this. So then, and then the Lord's saying, well, you shouldn't be complaining about anything at all, ever. <laughs> because there's nothing to complain about. <laughs> there really isn't, from the Lord's perspective. There is nothing to complain about. Which is hard. But then, I mean, look at the children of Israel. The Lord literally swallowed up the Egyptians in front of their eyes. They saw their enemy, like, destroyed in front of them. And their response was they sang this amazing song that was written down. You know, like, the horse and the rider thrown into the sea. You guys remember that song from... <laughs> Some of you don't, but that's fine. But, like, so there's that celebration song. And then three days later, they're like, we don't have any water. <laughs> and they're complaining to the Lord and Moses. They're like, did you bring us out here to die? And they're like, did you just see what just happened three days ago? Like, I wiped out all your enemies. You, you were rejoicing. You were singing. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys. I've had that. I've been in times in the presence of the Lord. And I'm, worship, I'm like feeling his presence. I'm, oh, it's so good. He's so good. And then like two days later, four hours later, six minutes later, something happens. I'm like, yeah, you know, like. <laughs> and then we're like, where's that coming from on the inside? And the Lord's like, I see that. I'm just trying to either surface it so it can come out and be dealt with. Or I'm really like working on your heart. You can't measure this. When I'm saying this, you can't measure your success of your relationship with the Lord based on your emotional feelings. It doesn't work that way. Because if it did work that way, then we would all be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> because we're going to experience times and difficulties and challenges. We're going to experience suffering and pain and heartache unimaginably so things that are so outside of our emotional realm that we can't even handle ourselves and that's okay if we know the lord because then when we can release those things to him he can come in and add a measure of grace and that's the hardest thing when there aren't answers to questions i mean for me nikki knows i'm asking questions all the time that annoy her. What about this? What about the person? Yeah, me. I don't know. And then sometimes for me, it's it's hard for me. I don't know if you guys, some of you guys are in this boat, but sometimes it's hard for me if I don't have an answer. I would like an like if somebody asks me a question. You know, sometimes sometimes I've launched out in something, and the Holy Spirit's like reminding me of Pastor Jose's message on that one Tuesday night when he was here. 
which was, shut your mouth. <laughs> because, shut your mouth, Andy, because you're, you're launching out into something that you think sounds good, but I'm not, I'm not behind that. And, and he's like, are you feeling more comfortable because you have an answer? Like, are you uncomfortable with silence so you're filling it with an answer? Are you saying something because you're trying to make yourself feel good? Or are you giving room for me, the Lord is saying, to come in and fill you with my perspective that's going to shift and change the atmosphere? Shift and change how you view what you find yourself going through. And that's challenging. But the Lord's not angry and upset with us. He's just saying, let me come in and adjust your perspective. But he's not going to force us to do that. But it comes to a place where there is a sacrifice. What am I sacrificing? I'm sacrificing my desire to complain. I'm sacrificing that fleshly part of me that's like, So I found it at times, a long time ago, a long, long time ago, which I'm thankful for. When I first went to Ghana, Africa, all the way back in 2000, my first mission trip, and then also the second mission trip in Ghana was 2001. And I was in Ghana. And it would be like, all right, team. And at this time, and we still do, but we would go out and we would do uh, dramas and we'd go to different sites and we'd do church plannings and we you know, had this very choreographed drama. That's a story for another time. But um, So our leaders would tell us, okay, everybody load up the bus and then we're going to head out in like an hour or 20 minutes to go to the drama sites to share Jesus. So we'd all get in the van. And then we'd be sitting there. Nobody's coming out and saying, hey, we're delayed here because of this situation over here, or this or that. We're just sitting there. There's no explanation. And, and then 20 minutes, Rachel was there. She, she remembers. <laughs> Maybe not. I remember, but 20 minutes would turn into 40 minutes. And so on the inside of me, just my typical American, like, schedules and everything else, I'm like, where are we going? When are we going to leave? Somebody said we're going to leave at this time, but nobody, we're not leaving at this time. We're, we're supposed to go, but we're not going. Where, what's going on? Like, where are the people at? What's happening? Is this delaying? Is this a good use of our time? Like, I start running through all these scenarios in my head, like, it's hot in here. It'd be nice if we'd be moving so the sun wouldn't be shining on me, so I'd be sweating. Like, can we, like, can somebody, and then it's just like, it's like building. It's like on this inside, it's like the snowball. It's like rolling. I'm just like complaining, and, and it's burning, and the flesh on the inside is like, and I'm going through all of that, and then, like, the Holy Spirit just very gently is kind of like, Andy, are, are you... Are you frustrated right now? Yes, I am. Do you want to go? Yes, I want to go somewhere. I want to do something. I don't want to sit here. And, and he spoke to me. And he said, well, I mean, that's why you're with me right now. Because you've got time. I mean, that's why you're here. You're here to share Jesus. You're here to love on people. You're here to spend time with me. You've got ample time right now. Why don't you take that 20 minutes that you've just been complaining on the inside about the situation you find yourself in and release it to me, and then you have peace in your heart, and you can actually spend time with me and receive revelation. I'm like, that's a really good idea. 
And he's like, why don't you take that big anger ball of frustration and just roll it over to me and let go? And it not be some, and this is even way before Frozen, a song that says, let it go. <laughs> like, let it go. Let, let that emotional, fleshly frustration burn. And honestly, he's like, Andy, let go of the fact that you don't have control right now. Oh, man, Lord. But I like control of the situation that I'm in right now. And he's like, you might, but I don't like that for you because it's going to lead you. He's like, if you sit here and you don't release that like fleshly frustrated burn, it's going to eat you up on the side, on the inside, and it's actually going to drive you away from my presence because you're frustrated about something. He's like, but you can shift and change the atmosphere to where you can just sit here in this hot bus and receive sweet, sweet revelation from me. I'm like, you're right, Lord. Thank you for adjusting my perspective to see it from your way. And then I can release it. And then come to find out, and not, and not getting the answer to why it took so long, <laughs> they'd come out and be like, let's go. And I'm like, where was that an hour and a half ago? <laughs> but then again, I have to take that, submit it to the Lord. I mean, that's why I love the example that Pastor Bill showed here last Sunday when he had the chairs, you know, and the life submitted to Jesus and his lordship, like he's on the throne. In that moment, I was deciding whether is my complaining, frustration, anger on the throne or is my life submitted and surrendered to Jesus and him aligning me in what he wants me to do on the throne? And so learning that lesson over and over and over, and mission trips were certainly times where that would take place multiple times because when you're living with a group of people very, very close together for the purposes of sharing the gospel, like rough edges are going to get sharpened because you're up against people. That's the nature of Christian life. That's the nature of relationships in the kingdom is that iron sharpens iron. So one brother sharpens another, like those things didn't get worked out and come to find later that a lot of times those times that we were sitting in the bus were a lot of times that Pastor Bill and Pastor Murray Pat were having in-depth conversations with Pastor Samuel and Mama Vera about relating to each other and learning to minister together in the kingdom. And those times that I was sitting in the bus complaining, they were actually investing in long-term relationship that has now borne fruit in a giant building, which we're not just about, but in the northern part of Ghana, where a whole bunch of churches have been planted and people have come into the kingdom and kingdom Bible schools have gone forth and the kingdom has gone forth because a ministry relationship and partnership was forged through those times of conversation, through that investment of time. But if I would have gotten out of the bus, went up and knocked on the door and been like, hey, let's go, I could have interrupted some of that. That's sobering. So the Lord's saying, why don't you just sit on your butt and receive? Why don't you roll your little anger frustration ball over to me, and then I can adjust your perspective, and then you can just receive sweet, sweet revelation and understanding and peace in your heart that I'm not in control of this thing. He is. And then he can lead and guide and direct my life because it's like my life is yours. It's not mine. That's my act of thanksgiving and sacrifices. This isn't mine. It's yours. 
Is that encouraging? I hope so, because if you, and this is the times where I know, like, if I begin to feel, feel that frustration and that burn, I know that the Lord's saying, give that to me, release that to me. That's something that I'm highlighting that I want you to surrender to me so that I can offer you my perspective so that you can step into a new place of receiving revelation from me that helps you view and see what I'm leading you into. So some of you, that might be when you get a text from me about First Friday. Like he's texting me again? I'll be texting you until Jesus returns about First Friday. <laughs> because there'll be a First Friday of every month until Jesus returns. Because he set up the calendar. I didn't. And it might shift or change. So, I mean, he, things could happen, you know. Things are happening. <laughs> But the Lord is gracious enough, if we're willing to hear it, to offer that correction and say, step into that place of practically thanking me so that we don't begin to take things for granted. I myself, I want to guard my heart that I do not take for granted the amazing worship we have here. We have a sweet well of the presence of the Lord in this place in worship. Some of the most powerful times and encounters that I've had in the spirit and worship have taken place, not necessarily just in this physical location, although some of those have. It's been the body of worshipers that the Lord has established in Frontline. There's like six different worship leaders. There might be even seven. I don't even know the specific number. I've lost, there's so many I've lost count. That's unique. <laughs> I'll just say that again. That's unique. Look around this place. It's not like we're swimming in people. But that's unique. And that each person offers something from the heart of the Lord and their unique expression of worship. But there's been an atmosphere that has been created through time and investment and through prayer and intercession through Pastor Bill and through Pastor Mary Pat. Their, their heart after being after the presence of the Lord and valuing the anointing in his presence above all, even at times above musical excellence, even though that is a good thing. And at times, you know, and for me sometimes it's been difficult in that I love and enjoy like doing sound, like running sound and this needs pitched up or not, or, you know, this gain, this, like, this needs to sound better this way or that, you know, all kinds of sound things. So sometimes when it's off, I can hear it and be like, oh, it needs this, and, you know, and then. But then there's times where, like, I can't let that <laughs> rob from me the sensing and entering into the unique presence of the Lord that is being released through worship that takes place here. I don't want to take that for granted. I don't want to take for granted the, the testimonies of the Lord healing and touching bodies, of bringing restoration to people. I don't want to take for granted the things that the Lord's doing and showing who he is. And a lot of those things come through us stepping into the place of thanksgiving because the picture I got, kind of the sense of I got of it was, is that like if we're encouraging each other, in giving thanks about what the Lord's doing in our lives, we're, we're basically filling up each other with the presence of the Lord. We're filling up each other with the knowledge of who the Lord is and how good he is. 
just been like, can you believe what the Lord did for me? Can you believe how the Lord moved here? Can you believe how he provided for me this job? Can you believe how he, he, he worked in the situation in my marriage? Can you believe how the Lord, you know, you name it. There's all kinds of things. And there's uniqueness there because each one of those testimonies reflects a different aspect of the Lord and who he is and brings about transformation. Through us stepping into the place of giving thanks. And his desire is for us to be intentional about that. Because that, that, that's part of the sacrifice of I need to actually stop and take stock. These are the things I'm thankful for. Boom, 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 boom. When we do that, It strengthens us. We're exercising a spiritual muscle that the Lord put on the inside of us that helps us navigate through life. We need that muscle to be exercised. We need each other to encourage us. We need each other to encourage each other in that process. You know, I don't want to take for granted the uniqueness that we have in this body of having relationships with people in the nations. That somehow the Lord brought about and, and, and did. By him just connecting the dots somehow. So Angela, if you can put up the one picture of the Muslim guy. Are you guys encouraged? Are you thankful? <laughs> you have to say it now. So we're gonna we're gonna close here in a sec. Dangerous words. <laughs> Unless I keep stretching it out to stretch your faith, you know, so then you can roll that frustration ball to the Lord. <laughs> so try try and try and track with me on this, and then we'll enter into a, a time of receiving and. One of the examples that the Lord has given us in Scripture, and our best example, is Jesus. I love Jesus. You love Jesus. We all love Jesus. He's the answer to everything. Because Jesus is so uniquely, for lack of a better word, Jesus. He is the Lord. He is the King of the universe. So everything about Jesus is the exact opposite. Like, if man... Everything that would be good in man apart from Jesus is horrifically evil. Even the good stuff. Because Jesus is the only one that is good. He is purity. He is holiness. The, the, the message of salvation, redemption, forgiveness, none of us would ever come up with that left to our own devices. Never. That's what makes Jesus Jesus. Is he, he's the one who died for us. He sacrificed for us. He gave his life for us. He, he's different than any other religion. He's not a religion. He's a person. So he's our example. He's our model. He came. He's the king of the universe, and he came to serve and give his life for many. He came, and one of the scriptures says that, you know, just the simple parable of he leaves the 99 to go after the one. So if Jesus leaves the 99 to go after the one, there's a price that Jesus has to pay to go after the one. 
He has to leave the comfort and security of all the sheep, go out, search, look. You know, if he's searching, there's probably briars and different things that are scraping up his legs. There's a level of discomfort where he's going and he's seeking after the one that is lost. But when he finds it, everybody rejoices and it's happy. You know, everybody's rejoicing. They're happy. Jesus, how many guys have seen the picture like growing up? Like Jesus is walking and he's got the lamb around his shoulders. It's like, oh, it's such a good picture of Jesus. And it is because he's gone, he's rescued, he's brought back to the fold, that whole dynamic of life. So he invites us into that. Jesus invites us in his grace to go with him to seek after the one. Well, what does this have to do with Thanksgiving? It has everything to do with Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving is what puts my life on the line for it. It makes myself available. It makes me available. Because the Lord's been so good to me, and my life isn't my own because he rescued my life from being pointless to now having purpose. He's like, okay, here you go. Come with me as I go after the one. Leave the 99, come with me after the one. And that's what he's calling every single one of us to. And so when I was preparing and asking the Lord, I'm like, well, Lord, what... How does this all tie in with thanksgiving and gratitude and everything else? And he's like, the gratitude that you have for me in your life isn't just going to be expressed verbally. It's going to be expressed through actions that cost you something. That's the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Not only verbally, but how can I invest my life into something that matters and has lasting fruit? Eternal fruit. That's why I'm so blessed by the Brazil team because they've left the comfort of here to go after and seek the one in the middle of who knows where because the Lord has a plan and a purpose for them. So one of the things that's helped me in my own life and the way to approach it and think about it is that there are billions of people on the face of God's green earth that he wants to touch with his love. He wants to let them know that he sees them, knows them, recognizes them, and has a plan and a purpose for their life. Whether they're in Africa, whether they're in South America, whether they're in downtown Canton, there are people that the Lord is knocking on the door of their heart and saying, I'm here, I love you, and I want you to know that I love you, and I love you so much that I sent somebody to cross your path to let you know that. Because that's how much he loves them. So there's times when I've had the crazy honor and privilege of going into an African village in the middle of nowhere and I realized that God loves those people so much that he sent us to them. Doesn't mean I'm special, but I do get to experience the partnership with Jesus and seeing his heart of love for them. Then I'm like, wow, you allow me to see that? And he's like, yes, because I created you to come with me as I'm going after the one. And gratitude is what opens up my heart to say yes to things that are difficult because I know that he's going to take care of it. So if I add into the sacrifice that he's asking me to make a heaping helping of thanksgiving, then there's no complaining. There's no extra weight and baggage and frustration that would rob me from seeing the true treasure right in front of me. The temporary discomfort won't weigh me down. It'll be like, there's something bigger, and literally, I'm actually able to put my life there. And the Lord's like, yeah, because you put it in my hands. 
So I'll provide for you the opportunities to sacrifice, to pay a price to go after the one because that's what I created you for in fellowship and relationship. What does that look like, Lord? I don't know. <laughs> but I do know, but I don't know. It's challenging, Lord. I mean, I, I, have you guys ever, like, honestly, before the Lord like, said, like, this is too much. <laughs> I mean, I've done that at times. Then it's like the Lord, but th then at the same time, the Lord's like, I can't hold on to, I myself can't hold on to, it's too much. Because that's not, that's not the Lord's heart. That's not how he thinks. That's not how we view things. And that's where he's inviting me to step into that deeper place of saying yes to him. So this man here, his name is Muhammad. And he was like a, I think a janitor that we met in Rotterdam. And we were just, we were going out and we're sharing Jesus to people. We're at this conference and, and we're just walking and we're saying, Holy Spirit, just lead us across the paths of those people that you want to touch today. Whoever you have us. And so I remember I was walking. They had this like market village thing and I'm on these streets in Rotterdam. And we're, I was walking in our like little group and I saw this guy sitting over there on this lawn before this church, him over there. And I just kept like going and the Holy Spirit's like, no, go back there. And I just kept going and the Holy Spirit's like, no, you go back there. Because sometimes I don't know if you guys have had that time. Sometimes it happens at first Friday. Like where we're walking and there's a sense where the Holy Spirit's just like, over there, go over there. Like, but, but I'm going, go over there. So that's what it was with this guy. And sat down and just began to talk to him. And thank the Lord there was somebody there who spoke Dutch, who was a translator for me, because there were certain things that he was connecting with and certain things, like he spoke a little English. But, but there were moments, I mean, he grew up Muslim. You know, I don't know how seriously he was in his faith. Um, but just had different opportunities to present the gospel to him in, in, in the sense of like, the Lord sees you, he knows you, and he loves you, and he, he created you to hear the message that I'm giving to you right now. He created you to know him, to be in relationship with him. To have, and, and I could see at moments, I could see almost through his eyes his spirit rising to like say yes, and then different things would cut in, and to be like, "But Muhammad, this and but but even and I was like even like beyond all of that, Jesus, <laughs> he's wanting to reveal himself to you. He's wanting to awaken the desire for which you were created, and he and so then I'm experiencing it, Andy. I'm like, the Lord's using me to, to tell this guy about himself. Like, Lord, you must really love him that you would send me because ultimately if the Lord, if the Lord loved him so much, if it wasn't me, the Lord would send somebody else to cross his path. But for some reason he chose me in that moment. And it was like, I, there, there was no other place for me to be on earth in my life and destiny to walk with the Lord than to be in that moment with him, to share Jesus with him. That's for every single one of us. Nothing, nothing excludes any one of us from that. And, some, and sometimes, some of you might on the inside be like, whoa, <laughs> I want to be thankful. I didn't know how that translated with me sharing Jesus with people. It has everything to do with sharing Jesus with people. Because that gratitude has to be expressed. 
And it has to press through the frustration of, this is costing me something. Yeah, it's going to cost us something. But it's worth it. Because there's no complaints. <laughs> there really isn't. There really, 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 really isn't. So to wrap this up, there's two challenges that I have for you. One is, is that you like proactively in either in presence of the Lord, just you and the Lord, practically you and your spouse, practically you and your friends, you literally list out the things that you're thankful for. And we can start out at the basic, and those are all good things, like hot water and cars and all that stuff. That's good. But then there's extra things on top of that. Because I believe that as we begin to do that, we're exercising our faith practically to create an atmosphere for the Lord to move. And the second thing is, is that, Lord, now where's that next step where gratitude then is requiring of me something that I don't necessarily want to give, whether it's frustration, anger, lack of control, or something financially, or just your time. <laughs> and so we're going to end with, and we're going to play a song, and it's a, it's a longer song. But the song basically is just about Jesus being the Lord of the harvest and that he's worth everything and that he's worth our sacrifice and what we can do. So I encourage you as we, and we'll close with this, as we listen to this, I encourage you guys to be in that place of encounter with him and ask him to speak to you. And I believe that he will, that he's pro providing a platform for that to, to take place so you might have to unmute that computer because I think I muted it so it wouldn't make loud sounds online. And if you guys have ever experienced that when you're watching the live stream service and then it gets to a video and all of a sudden you hear like ding because of what we're doing back there. Anyway, Lord, whew, as we close with this, Lord, we're just asking in a good way, Lord, that we would drive a stake in the ground, Lord, that today would, would mark in us, Lord, a lifestyle, Lord, of thanksgiving, a lifestyle of surrendering our hearts to you practically, and Lord, what that looks like. So, Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that, that you stir within us Lord, that perspective, that, that heart of gratitude. And Lord, as we awaken ourselves to that even more, Lord, that it will bear fruit in our lives and our hearts. And Lord, that we'll make the hard decisions to say yes. Lord, we'll, we'll go, Father, after the one, Lord, we'll leave the 99. But Lord, we'll be rejoicing knowing that we walk with you, that we go with you. Thank you, Lord. So you can start the song and, you know, at the end, if you need to leave, that's more than all right. If you need prayer for anything, there'll be a couple of us up here for prayer. But just, just let him speak.
to your heart. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I feel the movement of your spirit in my life to go. And Lord, I hear the thunder of your voice call out, arise and go.
Thank you for listening. If you need any additional information about Frontline Ministries International or Frontline Worship Center, you can visit us on the web at www.frontline-ministries.org or email us at info at frontline-ministries.org or you can contact us by phone at area code 330-837-8399.